Hello, and welcome everyone to uh, Retro Film Dango, episode number 34. This is the coming of age episode where we uh, are talking about coming of age films, the three films we, we will be covering. It's in the description, but maybe you don't read descriptions. So I'll tell you anyways, it's Rushmore. Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and stand by me. I'm here. That's buried on Mars, also known as Kevin. I'm here with my buddy Richard, my co-host, my pal, Rambox Comedy. And we have a guest. It's Rocket Sauce. But today he's just going by Sauce, also known as Ryan. Hello. All right. What do we want to talk about? Is this, uh, I'm curious why you chose this order. Because you're going um, um, reverse okay. chronological. So I, went, so I went Rushmore. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. And then stand by me. Because I feel confident about stand by me. I To me, that is a movie that I believe Richard will like. It is Rush, the closer. Rushmore, I'm not 100% sure on. Can go either way with Fox. And don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I, I'm confident that that is a, a movie that, I don't know, Richard can go either way. He can go either way with that one. So I don't know. I'm not too sure about the first two, but I know the last one. I think that one is a is a quality film that I think Richard would just have to appreciate, even though it has children in it, which mm. everyone on our Discord channel, by the way, go check out our Discord channel. Um, if you need an invite, just let me know. Uh, everyone there is convinced that Richard hates children. Well, all these movies have children, right? Yeah. and They uh, all have smoking children. And they were there was some discussion on on whether or not Richard was going to actually like these movies, and uh, actually Derek, our buddy Deej thirteen, he had a good theory about Richard over there, mm -hmm. because he we know that he hates children, mm -hmm. he loves miniature figures, and okay. he's coming to the the conclusion that you might be the two nose troll from uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Because that guy hated children, and he turned them into miniature figures. Something that Ooh. he liked. I, I'm liking this theory. Very good observation, Derek. Ah, um, quite astute. So lots of fun stuff going over out there on Discord. So check mm -hmm. it out. By the way, in a couple of months, we will be doing some To Be Trash over there in January. We have some movies picked out and all that. We'll be teasing that later. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good times. I'll make my, my return to... To Discord, if I could figure you out, you will how need to, to turn that thing on. Oh no, I don't. Have, oh right, I just show up here. Oh no, right? no, no, no. You'll have to go to Discord for for oh, uh, yeah, okay. to be part of the Discord. Yeah, you'll have to go to Discord. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, oh, and this was a question too that people had, and I, I this this was asked on Discord, and Catmax here. Uh, Stephen brings up a point. He says, doesn't Richard work with children? And I believe my answer was, is that Richard mostly works with adults, right? As, as an um, instructor. Yeah. Well, for my private, um, my private students, I do have adults and I do have um, elementary school children. So correct. I do have some younger private students for my um, day job. Uh, main work there high school students and it's actually it's high school and then into university kind of mixed it's a weird specialty school but, 
but you know that age obnoxious age <laughs> so do you, do you think that plays into your hatred for children the fact that you're forced to be with them uh it's probably a good percentage of it wow uh, i will reconfirm uh and this is uh not going to be listened to by anyone or believed by anyone but it's hatred of children in movies you know and and it's not a hundred percent there are plenty of movies uh where where there are children and it's a good fun movie for example well Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's a good time. Well, you know how the internet is. It's all black or white. You're either for it or you're against it. You can't, there's no in-between. You can't mm -hmm. sort of like some movies and hate other movies. It's, you either like it or you don't. So Which you is like why kids I don't go to the Discord. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would not be able to entertain these conversations. This is true. I much uh, prefer to just get the uh, secondhand information and make my judgments based on that. I, ha I have a question for our guest, um, Ryan, because why not? He's here. Why not ask him? Mm -hmm. uh, is that behind you? Is that an air purifier or the PlayStation 5? That is my dehumidifier. Oh, okay. Slash, slash it... PlayStation 5. Feel <laughs> <laughs> no. right here. Yeah, bad boy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's done wonders because there was a flood in this room, um, this little office in the basement. There was it was a flood back in the summer here. We got like six inches of rain and it just poured in for some reason this side here. I don't know if it came from the well window. I still haven't been able to figure it out because it's been only the first time it's ever happened in the three years I've lived in my house. Um, but someone suggested online to buy a dehumidifier. And it'll really do wonders after sucking all the water and everything right. out of the room and everything. And it really has. It's gotten yeah. rid of the, the smells and everything that was in this room that came from it. So, so yeah. Okay. Just I, off I, now for the record. <laughs> I have another question for you. Are you planning on using your CRTC monitor a lot or have you used it a lot? And is that why this it's one? having a nap behind you there? No, that's uh, also because of the flood where the TV oh, normally is in this corner. Yes. But in order to suck everything up, I just... Put the and move the stand in the other room for. I see. Mm -hmm. I just was too lazy to move it back because it's kind of heavy. So I'd, I'd rather believe that your your television is having a nap right now. It's under the covers there. It's got a blanket and it's looking very comfortable. Pillows on the side. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Taking a nap. Uh, we do have some questions here in the chat. Uh, Bill is asking if this is the dazed and confused episode. Uh, Bill sounds a little dazed and confused, so. That might be why he's asking that. Mm. And uh, Stephen has another question. He says, does Richard hate the Goonies? No, nor do I hate Short Round. Some some children in movies, they get it right. You know, that, that movie must that. hit you at the right age because yes. I know people who are older that hate that movie and people who are younger that hate that movie. And in the, their number one complaint is the kids are obnoxious in that movie. Yeah, I, well, I, I, that, don't, I don't care for the Goonies. That's an issue with people, like you said, they didn't get it at the right time. If you, and that's what happened. I mean, me. Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom is my favorite Indiana Jones installment, that's mostly crazy. because I watched it so much as a kid. I think Raiders is overall the better film, but it, it's so much fun. And the only reason people complain about it now is because they have grown up with the internet and 
No, this is why these I, movies stink. I and don't. I don't well. agree with you at all. I grew up I with the Temple of Doom. That was the only one I had on VHS when I was a kid, and I watched it a ton over and over mm -hmm. again. The order I watched the movies in was uh, Temple of Doom. Then when later's uh, the Lost Ark came out, no, sorry, The Last Crusade came out. I watched mm -hmm. that, and then it wasn't until years later that I finally saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then just recently, like within the last 15 years or so, when I went back to watch them all again, I could not believe how obnoxious uh, the Temple of Doom is, especially Cape Capshaw. Mm. Nothing to do with Short Round. He's fine. But Cape Capshaw just is so obnoxious in that movie. She yells way too much. And it's the most unbelievable of it. There's too much, too much crazy going on. Like it, it, other than that new one that came out. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they drop out of the plane and... Like that's just way too much, man. It's, it's just a serial adventure. That's all it is. Okay, uh, we're almost getting into it's ten minutes, and we haven't touched on any of the movies. So let's get to it. Well, we're probably we get getting to... a better conversation out of this anyway. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll just say that I didn't like the Goonies, but I saw it as a teenager. So and I, I I agree with the statement that I don't think I was the right age for that. Or if I saw it younger, I probably would like the yeah. Goonies. I, I understand why some people would not like it. I, I don't hate it, but it's one of those ones where people always talk about how great the Goonies is. And I'm like, eh, it's okay. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on that later. Okay, let's get to our first movie, Rushmore. I'm going to play the trailer with audio. With audio. Here it's coming, coming at you very soon. Here we go. Hope you can hear that. These are the names that define our world. The artists who shaped our minds. The rebels who challenged our views. But of all these legends, there is one that stands above all others. I'm sorry, did someone say my name? <laughs> What's the secret, Max? The secret? I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. For me, it's going to Rushmore. Sharp little guy. He's one of the worst students we've got. We're putting you on what we call sudden death academic probation. Could I see some documentation on that, please? Did you invite that kid to your party? Max Fisher. Come on, Dad. There's gonna be girls there. I'd rather die. Pull your head out of your... <laughs> Maybe I'm spending too much of my time starting up clubs and putting on plays. It's time, homie. Kiss me, little one. I should probably be trying harder to score chicks. I like your hat. You're a teacher here, aren't you? Oh, I'm so glad you could come. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Peter Flynn, Max Fisher. Hi. Who's this guy? Has it ever crossed your mind that you're far too young for me? I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? <laughs> I don't know what you see in her. I, I don't think she's right for you. What stands for? Hello, Herman. How are you, Rosemary? I know about you and the teacher. Does Max know? He's about five foot three, 112 pounds, glasses. You know, you and Herman deserve each other. You're both little children. War does funny things to men. So you'll find a pair of safety glasses and some earplugs underneath your seats. Please feel free to use them. 
What do you think of Max's latest opus? It's good. But let's hope it. it's got a happy ending. Rushmore. Thank you very much. Okay. Hey. Quiet you. There you go. Well, I think Richard had a nice nap during that trailer. That was very nice to see. Hmm. All right. I'm still uh, leaking up here. I'm going with uh, the, the guest. We're going to put him up first so he can get this stuff out of the way. Sure. Give us the rundown. The rundown. The extracurricular king. Ah, nailed that. Of Rushmore's <laughs> preparation. And I botched this one. <laughs> Preparatory school is put on academic probation. Got too cocky there. Um, yeah, keep going. Film stars. Film stars Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, and Olivia Williams. Director is Wes Anderson. Written credits by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, which I didn't know Owen Wilson wrote this movie or was the least part writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know he's got a little bit of a history with Wes Anderson where he's in a bunch of their movies together. Yeah. Um, uh, Runtime is one hour and 33 minutes. Budget was $9 million and box office gross was uh, $17 million worldwide. There you go. So I made some money. Yeah, Wes Anderson, Owen Wilson, and Luke Wilson all kind of came up throughout the same, I don't know, vein. Sure. Same time. They came up as a group. They did a movie called Bottle Rocket together. That was like the one that got them all the buzz on the uh, movie circuits, the uh, uh, cinema, what do they call it? Film festivals, sure. all that stuff. So that's where is they got their buzz. And Isn't Jables Jack Black in that too? In Bottle Rocket? I think he is. Is he? You know, I, I uh, tried to watch Bottle Rocket, and I could not get too far into it. I did not uh, enjoy it as much. And I I think from what I've read, and I can't remember if I, when I was researching for the fun facts, I think Owen Wilson's contribution to this movie writing-wise is – very minimal it's like some ideas from that from his kid like apparently that that speech that bill murray gives uh at the big at like in his introductory scene that is a speech that owen and luke wilson's father gave or, or it's similar in that vein uh so i think like it was kind of those things like almost like as if he punched up the script or something like that but or uh, the, he was yeah. just or anderson was just being kind <laughs> Like, yeah, because I, I mean, I talked to you a few times about this. So, because hmm. I, I mean, you look at where their careers have gone. Wes Anderson has been consistently making this type of movie, whereas Owen Wilson is, I don't know, he makes trash. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Owen Wilson, honestly. I'd okay, he does a little bit more than Luke Wilson, though. Okay. That's true. Yeah, but it, that's true. But I enjoy Luke Wilson better. I mean, I liked him in that. I like that, uh, like Judge movie that that he did idiocracy right. that was mm -hmm. anyways okay fun facts let me start off wes anderson and owen wilson intent with this film was to create their own slightly heightened reality like in a roll doll and roll doll book children's book that guy you know roll doll the guy that made the charlie and the chocolate factory mr grinch he did grinch right he wrote that one no that was dr no. seuss i was gonna say isn't that dr seuss <laughs> Charlie and Chocolate Factory, BGIF, BGF, uh, The Witches. Yeah, that guy. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Uh, Elijah Wood auditioned for the role of Max, but the role was won by Jason Schwartzman, who came to his audition wearing a prep school blazer, which sported a Rushmore patch that he had made himself. There you go. Bill and Mary thought the script was so good that he was willing to do the film for free. When uh, Disney denied the helicopter scene that would have cost $75,000, he gave Anderson a blank check to cover the cost. Helicopter scene? I think he means like a shot, like a helicopter shot. Okay. I think that's what it meant. You know, because today you can just put a drone on a, one of those little cameras and right. go to town. Back in the day, you had to put a camera on a helicopter. Get that shot. Uh, Bill Murray genuinely found Keith and Ronnie McCauley, McCauley, who plays his sons, annoying. Many of the scenes where he lashes out at them and insults them were improvised. <laughs> and Richard, you get the big text at the end. Jason Schwartzman, in real life mother, is Talia Shire, sister to director Francis Ford Coppola. We didn't need to say that. Everyone knows who Talia Shire is. Not all, not everyone does. Yeah, but she's she's earned a credit of her own through the Rocky series. It's it's related. Read the rest of the paragraph okay. before you judge the first sentence. Jeez. I'm just saying. Keep going. You got to attach her it, to some man. You know. You are such a moron. It's in context of the Rushmore rest of the features several nods to his celebrity family members. When See? Max asks Margaret Yang to remove her glasses, and he tells her she looks better without them, is a scene stolen from Rocky. That's Talia Shire. Max's conversation with the headmaster, asking to let him stay at Rushmore for old times' sake, mirrors a similar scene in The Godfather. That's Francis Ford Coppola. play at the end of the film features many similarities to Apocalypse Now. Also, Francis Ford Coppola. Fun fact. Jeez. I think she played his mother in the movie The Royal... Not The Royal... uh, What is it? I Heart Huckabees. I think she plays his mother in that, too. Ooh, that's that's the movie where... uh, they got some audio on that. Where like the set of that was very rocky. And uh mm-hmm. oh, what's her name? <sighs> Damn, they got some audio of her cursing out the director. The one that was in, you know, what's her face? <laughs> Lily Tomlin. That's right. Yeah. Go check that out. Go check out Lily Tomlin, I Heart Huckabees for some good audio. It's good times. Okay, Rushmore. This was the first time I had watched it since the I saw it in the theater back in the, the late 90s. And for some reason, I hadn't gone back to it. I remember really enjoying it back then. And uh, I hope that was good because I, I, I bought the Criterion Collection. <laughs> and I enjoyed it again uh, this time. I like the uh, whole idea uh, of this movie. I love the idea of this kid who's like way into extracurricular activities, and but he really sucks scholastically. Um, you know, that whole opening scene I thought was great where he's sitting there and he's got the, the answer to the math problem and the whole class is cheering him on and it turns out that he's just daydreaming and then the school headmaster says like within the next scene that he's like one of the worst students. I just thought it was just such a cool idea for, for a movie. Um, and you know, just a guy who just, a kid who thinks he's better than what he is. I thought do, you, was- do you think he's dumb? Like, like school dumb? Or do you think he just doesn't care because he'd rather do all this other stuff? Yeah, I think that's what, like, yeah, his interests are in other things he doesn't really want, care about. He wants the fame and glory. That's why he makes up stories and Mm -hmm. and lies quite a bit because he wants uh, people to like him and think that he's brilliant. Um, But 
he, you know, he's just an average Joe, just like everyone else. But he got, so he got accepted into the school at five because he wrote a play it or because he wrote a play when he was five years old. Right. That's the reason why he got the scholarship to this, this school. Um, like, I don't know. I, I'm under the impression that actually he is a genius, but he doesn't care. Well, you know, see, I, I, I think what he did was actually fool the headmaster, tricked him into um, letting him into the school. Because I think what happened, this is my theory. I, I don't know if it actually happened. But if you look at his actual plays it throughout the, the movie where they show things, they're all ripoffs of movies. There's Serpico. There's The Godfather. There's uh, Apocalypse Now. And I think what happened was this kid wrote this thing and unknowing to this headmaster it was actually based on a movie. So he thought he was getting someone that was a genius, but really in reality isn't. He's just, he's a plagiarist. <laughs> so that happened to me. Like that's, that was my first speech that I, I wrote when I was a kid. I wrote uh, a speech. Um, it was my very first one. We had to, you know, present in front of the class and that. And I basically just wrote this thing that was based on Inspector Gadget. You know, I just wrote like jokes from Inspector Gadget and all that. And I came up with this speech and everyone thought it was like the greatest thing. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, yeah, but it's just Inspector Gadget. I pretty much just wrote that thing. But I, it did so well that I had to present it in front. Not, I like at the first stage was presenting it in front of the class. And then you had to, if you did well enough, you had to present it in front of the whole school. And the whole time I'm up there, I'm sweating. I'm like, man, there's going to be like some... You know, this was third grade, so it'd be like some fourth or fifth grader that knows this is an episode of of uh, Inspector Gadget, and I'm going to be called out. And there were classmates that I would talk to all the time that were, you know, into Inspector Gadget, but nobody called me out on it. Nobody said anything. But it's really because in school, up. nobody cares. They just I got guess. shuffled into an auditorium, like, oh, somebody's going to read something. Yeah, right. but when you're a kid, man, class. it's like, you know, I don't know. You weren't like uh, Rodney J. Dangerfield out there going, whoa, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tough crowd. Uh, no, it was a hit every single time, man. And people wanted, like, they were requesting for me to do the speech again and all that. And I was like, oh, whatever. So do then, you still uh, have your speech? Would no. Would you like to give it now? No. And then the next year, I intentionally made a boring speech because I only wanted to give it once and be done with it, you know? So I intentionally made, I did a speech on lasers. Yeah, lasers. <laughs> Okay. It's anyway, the way of the future, those lasers. Anyways, uh, Ryan, what did you think of Rushmore? I, I love the movie. Um, Jason Schwartzman is my favorite actor to this day, um, and this was the first thing I ever saw him in was was this movie. Um, it was his uh, screen debut. So, yep. Um, it's just one of those things where I think I really just as um, bef- probably when I was in my like. I don't know, early teens, like, yeah, probably early teens, like 12, 13 years old, we would make um, uh, movies basically out of, of like, and they were basically probably rip off of other ones. We ripped made a Halloween movie. We made a Friday 13th horror movie. We just made, like, it was just, so little stuff like that, like him, like constructing plays and directing it, it just kind of, I don't want to say related to me, but I think brought me into it. Um, but I don't know, I really just like, I don't know, I like him as an actor and, I don't say I can relate to everything to him. Uh, I guess I will bring it back real quick to, to what I, was, I guess I was asking you uh, if you guys thought he was dumb or not, because I know a guy who actually is probably like probably the smartest computer guy. I know by far away is all the certificates, you know, for, um, for it. Um, but the thing is like, he almost failed high school because he did not care about any, of the, he did not do any of the accurate, you know, 
any actual academic classes. He didn't care. He coasted through, almost filled high school. Uh, and after he got through that, like, I guess college was like an absolute breeze for him because he was just taking nothing but like whatever he was interested in. And I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm like, well, I, I mean, I guess, I guess that's generally to my question for you guys if you thought he's dumb because I wondered if Max is the same exact way where, um, mm. I don't know. This is just my theory of why I, I thought of that here. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. I, to be fair, I don't think that he's dumb. I yeah. think he's just average, but he he wants to portray that he's a lot smarter than what he actually is. Mm-hmm. It's all the image. That's why he walks around with that blazer and is proud of the school and and all his way into the school. And yeah, Bill Murray. Bill Murray wants to hire him to be his like assistant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Bill Murray's impressed with him right away, but uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but uh, Brian Cox, the the headmaster there. He was like, you know, he's already dealt with him for a few years. So he's already up on, mm-hmm. you know, he's already cool. figured him out. So oh, yeah, he can't stand him. He has a no. stroke and, you know, the voice of Max <laughs> brings him back, brings him back from, from being yeah. a stroke. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I love Bill Murray's, like, you know, I guess Bill Murray's portrayal in this movie too of his character. And I, I think it really does mesh well with Wes Anderson. I mean, you know, he almost kind of has the same character. I don't know if that's, it's not essentially the same Bill Murray character that you're used to probably where the sarcastic quirks, you know, you know, like a normal Bill Murray movie. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I like Bill Murray in these, these kind of roles as well too. So well, yeah, absolutely. Still, he keeps his dry deadpan persona, you know, that that's how he delivers. And yeah, but not it's not uh, it, it's not the Harold Ramis like quips all the time like back off man I'm yeah. a scientist and that it's it's a different it's style more subtle and tone yeah for sure okay Richard what did you think of Rushmore was this your first time seeing it it was okay yes. um short and quick meh I I think this is the straw that uh, that finally pushed me over you know um, I've seen. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. And I kind of remember enjoying that. Like, I was like, oh, that was kind of different. Then I saw the the Life Aquatic. That one's terrible. I that don't one, yeah, I did not enjoy. And I didn't know it was his until after this and, and looking up um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, another movie, Wes Anderson movie that I saw, not knowing it was a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't enjoy that, and this one didn't do anything for me. So I, I guess I'm just not a fan of the Wes Anderson style. Uh, I'm not going to dump on it. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. Um, there are a lot of good uh, decisions in terms of how to tell a story and you know what was going on in there. But overall, it's I can't get engaged in his movies. Like I'm constantly thinking about the movie itself like like oh look at the shot he's setting up L- look at this look at the decision to do this because i'm not actively engaged in the story i was like i i can't get drawn in there i think the pacing is too slow in a lot of scenes um there are a number of things that just make me f- it feels like i'm watching a student film the way he sets up camera shots and the way and the way it is not really trimmed down to a to a nice quick pace for example there's the scene where uh bill murray is coming up to the um i forget the character's name the um 
uh, what's the actress's name? Wilson, some Luke Wilson. No, the the main Williams Williams. Oh, Olivia Williams. So mm -hmm. uh, she's there with like a student painting. He's hiding behind the tree, and then he kind of comes over, and Bill Murray is framed in this one like close up with a lot of extra space on either side of him. And then she like offers him a carrot or something. So he yeah. steps out of frame, goes in, gets the carrot, and then it cuts back and it's like still holding that frame where he was. And it, it's like he just goes back to his mark. It, it, it just feels very awkward. There are lots of scenes like that where it's... Well, it was okay. They're, they're, that, they're intentionally... Yeah, you can argue like, oh, they're trying to do this thing of them separate and read into it. But it just feels like that in a lot of shots where... I'm very aware of the setup and it, it reminds me of film school where a student learns something and then immediately does it, but they don't have the finesse to pull it off smoothly. That kind of stuff should, should fade a little more into the background so you can focus on the story. And I, I just couldn't get past a lot of that. I, I find a lot of his stuff uh, can come off as pretentious because just like the Max character of you think there's more there, but there's actually not. It, it's kind of like that with his films. It's just like, it seems like they're trying to tell you something important, but it's really just, you know, an average movie. So. Yeah. Okay. Isn't an average movie's good though. It's not bad. An average movie yeah. I'm not good. saying it's bad. I'm not dumping on the movie. <clears throat> if you enjoy it, fine. If you like the other stuff, I have a feeling if I go back and watch the Royal Tenenbaums now, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. What are your thoughts on the kids smoking in this movie or the kids in general? I should say. Um, forced. It's a, it's a lot of forced characterization of there's, I mean that again, going back to that whole, uh, Ronald Dahl, you know, hyper sense of reality, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like there's a lot of forced, unnatural behavior. It's kind of cartoony, which again is not a bad thing, but I don't know. I, I just couldn't buy into this reality that they're setting up where everyone just allows this kid to do what he, how, how is he getting an aquarium built in, in a baseball field? You know, how does he pull all those strings? They play him off as being very charming and well-spoken and everything, but still, you know. He saved Latin. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, uh, he doesn't do anything, yet he has this influence over everybody. Yeah, but yeah. that's because his ambition is misguided. You know, he doesn't use it towards something that, like, he he doesn't go through the proper channels. That's why it didn't get, that's why it didn't happen, right? He didn't ask the person that needed, because he knew he was going to say no. So he went behind his back and did all this other stuff to get it done. It made sense to me. Uh, you know, I, I felt, I mean, like, like you said, these characters are a bit cartoony, so they're not meant to be a hundred percent realistic. And a lot of there is a lot, there is a lot like in the shots and everything like that. There are, is a lot of um, style there, but I don't, I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a positive. All that stuff is there as a, as a layer uh, when you watch it the first time, you know, you're you're in it with the characters and, and I really enjoyed his characters and I was invested in that. And then all that extra stuff there is stuff for you to look at the second time that, that you uh, watch it. And I, I like movies that reward you with that 
Um, and that scene where Bill Murray goes in and eats the carrot, carrot, that got a chuckle out of both Sarah and I because we knew what the movie was doing, and it was it was funny because it was an awkward moment between between those two characters. Mm-hmm. And to, you got to yeah, play it Yeah, they each had their own, their own. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I thought dimension. that was great. I, I thought that was great. So uh, I don't uh, know. I, I it, it reminded me a lot of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I that's think good they stuff came too. Out around the same time, <laughs> right? Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite has Napoleon the Dynamite same about five cartoony later, style and kind of it sets up a lot of frames that are clearly like we are setting up a shot. And the pacing just... is a little bit off, but Napoleon Dynamite, I think, overall is more enjoyable. It's something I can get behind. Is like I do have fun with those characters, and it does come across a little more naturally. This this movie felt a little more. Everything is very kind of stop and start. Every little scene, it didn't quite flow for me. Hmm. I think you're on drugs, but that's okay. Right. You know, we all, we all have our different opinions. So that's I, all right. Yeah, I'm I just also, not. What, what about Max? And I can't remember his buddy, the his one friend who, the little shorter one with the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that relationship? Because I think that's a, like a great like relationship too, or I guess chemistry between the characters, basically how like, uh, I know they have their little fight because Max lies, you know, to um, the one buddy because he got kicked out of Rushmore. Um but I don't know. I, I think the relationship between their, them as characters is pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, I like, I guess I should say, I like a lot of the pairing relationships. I like uh, Max's relationship with Bill Murray's character and the teacher. I don't know. I mean, Max is the main lead, and I think he steals, you know, the whole movie. The whole movie is, you know, revolves around him, and it's, I don't know, I think it's well done, but. Yeah, no, I'm, that, I'm with, I'm with him it. and his little buddy. Like that's an example of one of those bad child actors that gets on my nerves. And they they just have him, like everything he says is very forced and unnatural, and uh, it, it's over the top. And like, I, I think their relationship the is terrible. Uh, what? Yeah. And if that, anything, everyone that word right there. That's uh, not everything's the word, understated in this movie. Nobody was no, over the top. No, the way this kid behaves and it goes into the whole like hand job area and everything. That that's not really what's going on. And the fact that Max does lie to him, you know yeah. that that he's got this. Uh, he's only friends with him by convenience because he's attracted to his mom. Do you never see any like actual friendship going on? It's just I need you to do things for me. Right. It's yeah. Well, the kid, looks, the kid looks up to him. Right. And so he uses that to his advantage. And also him hanging out with with the mom gives him credit with like this, these other like it's all about image with him. Right. So like, yeah, he thinks he's, if he's, he's in this Jaguar likable character for me. I'm sorry. Well, that's if Seinfeld proved anything, if Faulty Towers proved anything, it was that characters do not need to be likable. To be enjoyable to watch. Completely different. I'm not. What do you mean? No, it's not that an unlikable character (laughs) cannot be likable. It's this character in this film the way this is executed. No, no, it's that you don't like the character. It's got nothing. Right, I don't like that character. He is unlikable. If the story Mm. were told better, directed better, written better, perhaps I would like it. Uh, It's all good. 
I, I disagree. I think there's a great style to this movie. Let's see. Uh, let's get to the comments here. Uh, Bill says uh, Vox has never had fun with characters. Uh, shut up, Bill. Uh, no, I'm serious. I'm so sick of Bill's <laughs> comments on movies. Like every time we have him on, we agree on stuff, and then I still got to deal with this garbage. I'm getting so sick of it. Well, I'll disagree with Bill right here. He says he loves the Wilson boys. So you know, yeah. there you go. That just shows you where he is, uh, comedy wise look we all got different opinions it's all good it's all good mm. it's, 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 i knew i was taking a uh, uh, gamble with putting this one on there because i didn't i figured it was like a 50 50 that vox would either like it or hate it so it was a well I, I don't hate it i just don't like it how are you uh ryan with wes anderson films in general do you like them all or are they hit or miss or i think i generally like them all um and i think it's i, I think maybe the first time seeing it, it it took maybe a while of maybe seeing the movies like i don't know if I liked all of them. Like I liked Rushmore from the beginning, but like Royal Tenenbaums as well. I'm kind of like, and, but like in general, I think by the time I saw like life aquatic, I'm like, yeah, I understand his, his film style and how he does his movies. So I think that gets past me where I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's like anytime you see a Tarantino movie or um, trying to think of a, another director that has their own particular style. When you watch a movie, you know, that that's their style. That to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, Brett I know Rantner. what I'm in for. What's up, <laughs> Brett Brantner? I was, I was making a joke, <laughs> um, but I I generally know when I see a like a certain director's movie what I'm gonna get basically. So like, I actually like Life Aquatic. I know you said that you thought that sucked, but I'm like, actually, I enjoy that one. I like Darjeeling Limited. Um, like, I and maybe it's just because I know how the styles are. Sometimes how he uses um, models as like, yep like a way to cut the scenes and just, I guess the cuts and how the dialogue is for his movies where by this point I know them. So I'm like, I don't know. It just makes as well with me. It's it, they're not like belly laugher movies, but like I, and there's stuff I still like when watching this viewing here, like forgetting about like the whole um, bringing Luke Wilson to dinner scene, basically and how he's very upset about it. Cause yeah, he's, that was good. he's got a huge crush on the teacher uh and he gets drunk because bill murray serves him whiskey uh or is he drinking whiskey sours or something right uh, it was like, whiskey yeah um just and even then when he comes back later on he's like oh i see you uh wore a tie actually this time or something like that too just the holding yeah. it against luke olson there's a question for for richard what did you think of jason schwartzman in this movie because he was only 15 years old oh he's a good actor he's okay. a good actor okay so you yeah, didn't feel like he was forced or anything like that well, it, the direction style, I'm, I'm not a fan of, but I think he's a good actor. Like, he was able to do a good job with the material. Okay. Well, um, I, I'm really hit or miss with Wes Anderson movies. And when he hits, he, it's, like, really hard. Like, I love the movies. And then when they miss, I, I really don't like them. Like, I, Steve Azuzu, I didn't like that fantastic Mr. Fox. I couldn't get into um, Bottle Rocket. We were talking about that a little before we started recording. But I love Royal Tannenbaum's Rushmore. The best is, uh, is it was it something Kingdom Moonrise Kingdom? Oh my God, that movie! So bad. that's a good one. And I he's love in that. that Schwarzman's in that one as well. He too. is, and he is fantastic in that movie. Love that movie. Richard will hate it because it's got kids in it. But uh, anyone else out there that liked Rushmore, if you want another good Wes Anderson movie, check that one out. Okay, that's enough. Forty minutes in, we better get moving here. Let's move on to. Don't tell mom the babysitter is dead. Here we go with the trailer. This will nice be smooth. Cut. This will be smooth. I'm getting rid of her for two whole months. 
I can go to the beach. I can stay up as late as I want. I can do anything. I'm a free woman. Hi. Hello, dear. I'm a steward. I'm a babysitter. What? All right, you little maggots, Alana. Are you serious? I'll make your summer a living. Help! <laughs> hey! TV rots your brain. It's time. You really give that away movie. in the trailer. Yeah, we outnumber her. Oh, that makes sense. But this is Sturak. It's in the title, so it's not really a spoiler. She died well, that she's nasty. Probably blame us. Be oh. careful. I got her. No, I mean my skateboard. Rock and roll. What? How's my baby? In your dreams, babe. This trailer feels like it's missing the announcer guy. Oh, it's not. Doing, <laughs> There's a reason why no, I Mrs. chose Sturrock's this trailer, and she, we'll get um, into it. <laughs> she went to the yarn store. So, what do you guys want for breakfast? Cheese omelet. Spaghettios. Breakfast is served. Bow the lawn today, and don't forget to do the dishes, okay? Ah! Dishes are done, man. Oh, that's, that's hey, look at us. We're up next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do I get us back? There we go. Okay. Um, well, the reason why I chose that trailer, and, I, and just to give something away a little bit, uh, is because it's not a very good trailer. No. <laughs> hint, hint. Mm. Okay. Uh, Richard, you want to do this one? Uh, give us a rundown for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. Um, five siblings are left alone all summer when their mom leaves town and the evil babysitter bites the dust. Film stars Christina Applegate, Joanna Cassidy, John Getz, directed uh, by Stephen Herrick. Never heard of him. Nope. Uh, writing credits, Neil Landau and Tara Eason. Runtime, an hour and 42 minutes. Um, it costs some money to make, but it only made $25 million worldwide. It had to have made money, $25 million. I can't imagine this movie cost $25 million to make. Well, it, well that's what I said. $25 million made money. Uh, no, we don't know how much money it made, but you said it only made $25 million. So it had, I think it had uh, to all right, make well, more. I, it, it certainly made its money. Uh, Christina yeah. Applegate was popular at the time. And uh, it seems well, like a hokey, kid, kid fun kind of movie. Well, that's in our fun fact. So let me get okay. to the very first fun fact. The original script was written with Winona Ryder in mind for the role of Sue Ellen. Uh, but she soon turned it down as she was working on both Edward Scissorhands and Mermaids. Justine Bateman was later cast as Sue Ellen, but left the project. Christina Applegate was cast after her Married with Children co-star, Ed O'Neill, who was friends with the producer, Gave her the script. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Just look. Oh, it was bothering me through the movie. It seemed like everyone was calling her swell. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What? What is swell? Did I miss something? Is Sue Ellen like a fake name she gave them at the company?" And now that I see it written out in front of me, there you go. Okay, swell. Swell. Sue Ellen. Swell. I got it. Sweet nineties nickname. All right, Ryan, give us the next uh, fun fact. 
Keith Coogan, who played Applegate's younger 15-year-old brother, in, in, uh, is in reality 22 months older than her. Uh, during the, his audition, he was too old to play Kenny, but after briefly excusing himself, he returned in a stoner apparel and in a wig and got the part. That should be during his audition. He was told he was too old to play. Derp. Mm. Yeah, it's all right. Richard, give us the last fun fact there. Oh, uh, the scene where Sue Ellen first opens the lockbox full of petty cash contains the song Give Me Some Money performed by Spinal Tap, marking the only time one of their songs is used in a film other than this is Spinal Tap. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. There you go. And uh, just to update the chat here, Bill says he's going to pause on the ball busting just for you. Mm. Hey, you got a story. You got a story out of Bill, so that's pretty. Uh, pretty I suppose that is good. Okay, that's, that's big. That's peace, big Bill. I, peace I and grant love. you peace. All right. Peace, love, and and uh, Top Gun airplanes. Okay, I'm going to let Ryan off the hook right now. Okay, uh, because I know he recommended this movie as well, and I'm going to say to him. I'm going to say to him, uh, this movie was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't oh. bad. I thought it was a very um, competent movie. It, you know, like it does just like the trailer that we watched. It's a very competent trailer. It shows you everything that you need to know in the movie, but it's just missing something like an announcer or like a really funny moments or really funny jokes. Like if it just had a couple of really hilarious scenes, like just one or two that you could look forward to when watching this movie, I think it would have been so much better. But it's extremely confident. I, th I thought the story was well done. I thought the executions there. I love the fact that the babysitter's dead within the first 10 minutes of the movie. They didn't drag that out yes. because that is the title of the movie. And there's they so did, many. They did drag out telling their mom that the babysitter was dead. They did do thought, that. Now, I thought that was good. <laughs> I thought that was good because I totally, I, like, like in the movie, I totally forgot that the babysitter had died by the end of the movie. And they were like, right. Oh, we should tell mom that the babysitter's dead." I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> that was a thing. So um, yeah, I thought, I thought like the execution was there. It was a really well executed movie. It just needed some funnier moments. It needed something, you know, uh, all the actors were good. They did their job. They did well, but they just needed a little better material. Yes. I think that is a very accurate description of Rushmore. No, that is completely <laughs> Everyone did their best. There's a That's lot of good mind. stuff in there. It just needed something else. And no, it was perfect. No, not no, I think that description just came out of nowhere, and that's that's a wonderful blessing. But I was going to compare this to Rushmore, saying that I really don't think there's much of a difference. Oh my goodness. Um, in terms crazy? of there are a lot of good elements, like you said, it just it's not fully there. The the you know, it's not like one is a ridiculous goofy comedy and the other one is like this hyper intelligent thing. They're both like even ground in terms of concept. It's just the execution. No. I will agree that uh, I think this <laughs> no. movie is nothing special, but it's not it's not terrible. You know, no. there are plenty of good moments and you kind of hope like, oh, if it continues in this way, maybe we're going to get that big oomph, that big laugh or something. But, you know, it's just them bouncing around on on uh, bopper things and Toys R Us. And like, ah, OK, could have been something better. I 
I do agree that I'm glad the babysitter like they didn't drag that out because I hate when the concept is known to the audience and the movie takes forever to get there. Batman and Robin. Uh, Batman and Robin. The movie's called Batman and Robin. Everybody knows right. Batman and Robin. They wait till the end of the movie to get Batman and Robin together. I hate uh, it. I, I hate it. I think I saw that movie once. Me remember. too. And that's what I remember. <laughs> there, there was a movie. Um, I believe it was a Robert Rodriguez movie called The Faculty. And about aliens who take over the teachers in the school and then the, and the kids have to try to save the town. It takes forever for them to like learn that aliens have come in. It's in the trailer. It's like mm. the, it's when you have one of these pretense heavy movies, you got to just get to it because everybody is waiting for it. Now, if they had done something, because I kind of like the babysitter character. I wish they had kept her around just a little bit longer. And I, I think they could have had a few more fun scenes with her. But if they had done something where it was the filmmakers having fun with the audience where the characters are oblivious, but maybe if they put the babysitter in different positions where you think, Oh, she's going to die here, but she doesn't like, maybe if they establish there's like a loose step or something and she's about to walk over, it's like, Oh, there, she's going to die. Ah, uh, no, she didn't. So then you're kind of anticipating like, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? But you know, that's a different kind of movie. So get rid of her, get on with the story. Um, which at times is fun and uh, at times is very awkward. But I don't know. Why do you like this movie so much, Ryan? Or or do you like this movie? Is is it just a distant memory you're going off of? Uh, mostly was going off a distant memory when I selected it. When I was looking for like a third movie, and it popped up as like coming age. I'm like, wow, you know, I haven't seen that movie in ages. Because I remember seeing this movie. It came out in '91. I saw it at the drive-in with my family because we used to go like up north for Labor Day weekend, it was like a double feature. You go see a movie. Um, I know we saw RoboCop that way and whatnot. I, I can't remember what paired with it. Maybe it was RoboCop. Um, but I just remember I was like, oh yeah, Christina Applegate, because <laughs> at the time my dad would still let me watch Married with Children when I was probably way too young for it. Um, but, you know, Kelly Bundy was in this movie. And I just remember as a kid, there's a lot of things that I thought were just like really cool. Like uh, working at a fast food place and getting to take food home or something like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is insane. It's so crazy. Uh, the the plate scene, shooting out the plates, the stoner brother, the eventual mm -hmm. transformation of the pool in the backyard and how everything comes to be and like the petty cash drawer. I'm like, what? Oh, like that. All that stuff to me, like as a kid was like, I don't mind blowing, but it was like, what it gave you ideas? It did. It did. Um, you know, to think, you know, what could be much more fun getting older here to do this kind of stuff? Um, get a job and whatnot. Uh, but no, it's, it was definitely, I, I liked it. It's, you know, it was probably better in my memory, but still, I, you know, it still was fun watching it this time. And I, I, like I said, I haven't probably seen this in a couple decades. And maybe because I saw it show up on a list for coming of age movies, I was like, you know what? Let's see if it still holds up. It's kind of what I was hoping to go with this one. And I, I liked it. It was it, it was fine it was for what it was. It wasn't like, you know, a movie I love. Uh, but I still had fun with it watching it this time. Um, I was looking up who directed this movie. His name's you know, Stephen Herrick. And I guess he directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Critters. So. Wow. Uh, uh, wow. All right. Really? Wow. Yeah. He redeemed himself right there. Those are those are two. Two thumbs up. Well, I didn't put it in the fun facts, but this movie was passed on numerous directors. And like, I think Christopher, Chris Columbus was attached to it for a while. 
Um, I'm trying to remember who else. Uh, oh, what the heck's his name? Oh, anyways, there was a bunch of directors that were attached to it and just kept getting passed down, passed down mm -hmm. uh, because they felt the script wasn't as good. But hmm. again, I think the script just needed a little punch up, just needed some funnier jokes. There was a lot. I noticed there was a lot of um, during like there was a lot of swear words taken out. There's a lot of like, if you read the mouths, they said something yes, actually a yes. lot worse than was actually said, which might have actually helped make the movie a little more funny, you know, just it could have, have a more colorful language. But hey, Kyle's in our chat. So he says, hello. Hey, Kyle. And John hey. Stewart or <laughs> Bill says this is the John Stewart pen in the eye movie. So I guess John Stewart hmm? said he'd rather have a pen in the eye than watch the movie. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. It, I mean, it, it no, was, it's, it was, it's not, it may not be something that you'd put on like, Hey, I'm going to sit down and watch this movie, but if it's on, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, and one thing I did, I did like, which uh, I guess was a, a thing of the late eighties, early nineties was the animated intro to, to a, a silly movie. Uh, they did it in, uh, Christmas Vacation, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, City Slickers, uh, and this this has a, a little one too. I, I like those. I wish they oh, still did them. Faculty is the pen in the eye movie. I, I guess John Stewart gets a pen in the eye in that movie. I think he is in that movie. I think. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't anyway. find out. Um, I did find the one uh, stunt where the uh, kid falls off of the the roof, mm -hmm. you could so, so tell that was a dude. Like, that was a stunt guy. He was a small <laughs> stunt man. No, he wasn't that small. He looked pretty full-size <laughs> to me. They cut to the kid. And then that uh, extremely expensive wall unit that that one kid buys with that tidy TV and this big mm -hmm. wall wow. unit. It's just, it's a bunch of uh, what we call in the biz all-in-ones, where it's like a CD player and a record player and your tape deck and your receiver mm -hmm. in an all-in-one, and they're just all stuffed into this big unit i thought that was it, oh, looked, it was it looked really silly it. it looked it just looked really silly like as, <laughs> as a prop it just looked silly i i was uh a little Im overly impressed of how their house turned out considering they had no money but then you know it's more than just cleaning they're all painting and everything and getting the pool all pristine and yeah well i remember uh when they when they cleaned that kitchen they showed that they showed that first shot and you could see the countertops for the first time and they were red. Yeah, it looked like, like wow, an they had entirely different place. Yeah, yeah. It, did. it did. That place was a style, man. Like with all the newspapers on the one on the side stairs. of the stairs. That, that, you know, it's realistic though. Yeah. I've oh, seen well, that done before. I, I've been in some homes that have looked like that, but not, mm -hmm. not my own. I, I don't think yeah. I'd be able to get away with that. But uh, yeah, there were some like uh, there were some really good parts in it. Um, and you got you got David Duchovny, very, very early, sleazy. very young. David the Duchovny. actress he was playing off of, I, I've seen her in a bunch of things. I don't remember her name. Apparently, she, they were both in uh, uh, Twin Peaks together. I've never seen that show, but apparently I know they, she was in Discovery. She was that that grumpy admiral. Oh, okay, sure. And, I didn't recognize her. I remember her face. That's it. Okay. I don't know her name. Okay. All right. Well, I don't think there's really too much more to say about that movie. I had something else I was going to say, but I can't. Can't remember what it was. Uh, you know, it's got it's 
follows that same 80s formula to to a t you know you got the overcome this thing somehow so you come up with a big elaborate scheme to get big ruse and then yeah, everybody she, yeah. finds well, out the secret yeah. right they, everybody's got a secret so well so she made a bunch of fake receipts to put in the petty cash box right because and then she just did everything for free at her house right because right? right. they're like well this means to cover because they well they spent all that money um and one of one of was it Kenny was the brother yeah was it yeah Kenny uh one of his buddies was the one who took a chainsaw to make this the sculpture out of ice I think yep uh, that's right. right yeah so everything just works out fine <laughs> you know even, even the dump dumping the old lady is like eh, just put her in a box send her Sorry, off old lady's dead in the box yeah. nice old lady in the box or like when um her her brother is in the hospital no bills or anything when they leave just okay she was covered she they actually did mention that that she was covered well they mentioned she's covered but right. clearly if she had to show any identification and fill out forms they would have found something's well, not right here look i'm a simple canadian where everything's free <laughs> here so i don't i don't understand those your american laws but they just gloss over those parts the one thing i did find that was really odd is you know for her character basically she goes from being the teenager to being the mother type for the kids yes but then later on her brother and her have a scene as if they are husband and wife yeah kind of arguing and that like i get it like they're writing thinking oh this is funny if they both adopt these roles but it makes no sense they're implying some sort of yeah, well, I think the, the sense is I think that Kenny was stop, stopping being, you know, stoner for once well, and yeah, having be an adult, just, you know. I don't know. It, I mean, it was she an would, out of place. It, it, yeah, it was, I, it, it was it just didn't funny. Mean, it was yeah. meant to be funny and it kind of didn't it land flat. fully, but I, I thought it was okay. I, I get what they were trying to do because she was, the, you know, taking over as the mother and then she had, at some point she had to realize that her brother can actually look after things too because he has had a change as well. He was coming down on his arc as an adult. Hmm. All right. Okay. Final movie. Stand by me. This one's not going to, this, this transition's not going to be as smooth. Maybe we don't need to do it. We just have, (laughs) I think it's in the trailer. (laughs) It might be. I don't know. Let's find out. As soon as I get uh, get it in gear here, here we go. Rushmore. Oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> All right. At least Sauce was paying attention. I was ready to let it go. <laughs> uh, copy this. Paste this here. Bum, bum, bum. Ah, look at that. Boom. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence. A time after which we are never the same. That's a good song. It happened in the summer of 1959. I'm Richard Dreyfus. A long time ago. Republican. Not only if you measure it in terms of years. Dead. <laughs> Career's dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's still around. Okay. 
You guys want to go see a dead body? You want to see a dead body? I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. Well, we did. Yeah. Oh dear. Just suppose that I told the story. Do you think that anyone would believe it? Well, we did. Is this a modern this really trailer? A good time. I don't know. Because the, the the font they're using doesn't look like something they'd use in the eighties. It's probably probably modern. It's the official trailer. Uh, maybe it's like a for the Blu-ray or something. Do they make it? Oh, you're not gonna know. You have to watch to find out. This trailer stinks. I like to go someplace where nobody knows me. It's acting. His character died at a That was not an too. official trailer. That would be great if it just kept going. Stand by me trailer. That's not an official trailer. It's done by Mr. Lo <laughs> That's official guy. <laughs> Mr. Lodi P. Lodi P. You never heard of Mr. Lodi P? Yeah. Um, Mr. Lodi P. Trailer director. Rated PG. The, the trailer. Released in 2000. It can't be P. Oh, you know what? I saw something about the cuss words and how they were. They somehow like it. No, it's a rated R movie, isn't it? It's gotta be. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. No, I, I wouldn't doubt it because there's a lot of those like eighty movies like that are PG would definitely be either PG thirteen or R today. Yeah, I, I guess they were a little looser on it then, but still. I'm going IMDb. Let's see. Stand by me. That, that's got to be rated R. Just the language and everything. Well, according to right. Google, it yeah, it is. The show yeah. Dead Body. Same here on IMDb. So uh maybe the edited for television version is PG thirteen. Could be. Or PG. Maybe the trailer was just rated PG. No, no, it's the movie that you can buy or rent on um YouTube. But YouTube's wrong. That's that's a simple explanation. YouTube mm -hmm. is wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, the rundown. After the death of one of his friends, a writer recounts a childhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. Film stars Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, and Corey Feldman. Uh, director is Rob Reiner. Writing credits Stephen King wrote the novel, uh, and Reynold Gidon, 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 and Bruce A. Evans wrote the screenplay. The runtime is one hour and twenty nine minutes. The budget was eight million dollars. In the box office, it made fifty two point three million dollars. It's nineteen eighty six money, so that's good. Did you intentionally leave Jerry O'Connell off the... Uh, no, IMDb did, which I copied and pasted this from. Wow. So that's what I do. I just follow IMDb blindly now. I don't try okay. to make my own decisions. That is a tight one hour and 29 minutes. Don't give away. Done don't give time. it away. Don't give it away. All right. Who wants to give us our first fun fact? I'll Richard? Go. Okay. No? Ryan, go right. for it. After director Rob Reiner screened the movie for Stephen King, he noticed that King was visibly shaking and wasn't speaking. 
He left the room and upon his return told Rob uh, told Rob Reiner that the movie was the best adaptation of his work he has ever seen. He's hard to please. True. The train scene to a the took. train scene took a full week to shoot. Four small adult female stunt doubles with closely cropped hair were made up to look like the film's protagonist and plywood planks were laid across the trestles to provide a safer surface on which they could run. Fun fact. Okay, I, I got a comment about this. I'll save it for later. In the shot where Gordy and Vern are running towards the camera with the train right behind him, the crew used a 600 millimeter long focus lens that when shot at telephoto end, compressed the image so it made it look like the train was right behind them. In reality, the actors and train were on opposite sides of the bridge. Oh, Fun fact. Mm -hmm. Rob Reiner agonized over how to do the pie-eating pie scene and if he should cut it. He decided to go over the top with it, which was a great choice, and make it rather car cartoonish than the way that it appears in a young boy's mind. That the way it would appear in a young boy's mind. According to Reiner, the audience went crazy for it, justifying his decision to leave it in. Coca-Cola bought Embassy Pictures, the film's original production company, and announced it was going to fund the film just two days wasn't. before production. It wasn't, wasn't going to fund the film just two days before production was to begin. Norman Lear, who had worked with Rob Reiner for years on All in the Family, was one of three owners of Embassy prior to its sale. He believed in the project enough that he agreed to personally foot the film's $8 million budget. That's a lot of episodes of Archie Bunker to sell yeah. to get $8 million. If you just got $8 million, you could just say, yeah, sure. Yeah, here you here go. go. Buddy Rob, go make that movie. Yeah. Why? Well, get it back to me later. It worked out for him. I mean, I'm pretty sure he made a good on the back end on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, the leeches used for the swamp scene were molded latex stuck on with rubber cement, which the boys found irritating on their skin. The day after shooting the scene, marks left on Will Wheaton's body from the cement caused him to be denied admission to a water slide park as it appeared he had a contagious skin <laughs> disease. Fun fact. Last, last fun fact, body count, one. That's Just right. like Rambo, the first Rambo, yeah, first blood. Just one, one Just body. One. Just one body. There you go, fun fact. Okay. I love Stand By Me. Still do. Love the book. It's a great adaptation of the book. It's a good movie. All around. How, how often have all of you, all, all of us, I guess, how many times, like, when was the first time you've seen this movie? Okay, so that is a great question because this is one of those movies that was, a, I remember it, it's totally being a playground movie where as kids started to see the movie, like, everybody was talking about it. Like, I... Before I saw the movie, I knew almost every scene in this movie because all the kids, like, you know, the the they were saying boom baba and you know the fat kid scene, all that stuff, the leeches, the train scene. I knew absolutely everything about this movie before I, I saw it myself because I was a poor kid that didn't get to go to the theater, and it would take me it take a year before it get out on VHS, and we only had the one store in my little town that carried movies and they it wasn't blockbuster they only got one copy so then it would probably take another six months before the copy would be available where you can actually get it from the rental store um so it was probably like a year and a half later or whatever that it was out but yeah it was one of those movies that just all the kids talked about um so we had so i watched it once 
then and then uh, we got it Sarah and I got it on DVD and watched it a few times and it's been on TV so many times it's one of those ones that every time it comes on you end up watching like a half an hour of it or whatever um, but this was the first time in a long time that I sat and watched it from beginning to end I don't know <laughs> I have no idea did, when did, did I you first see, saw this. Did you see it as a kid, though, or did you see I, it? As I a must teen? have because the scene that stuck out to me most was the leeches scene. Mm -hmm. just, I have a memory of seeing that when I was a kid and being freaked out mm -hmm. uh, of having leeches all over my body and just oh, yeah. knowing that Will Wheaton had a leech inside his tidy whities You know that that's a disturbing thing it, to, to to know when you're a kid. That um, does make but, me sorry. Cut you off. Just since you're speaking on this right here, that always makes me like hesitant to jump, go swimming. And if anyone else wants to go swimming, like at a lake up north somewhere in Wisconsin, I'm always like, "Does this thing got leeches in here?" Because that always, <laughs> that, because of this movie, yeah, that always sticks in my head. So you're generally okay in your bigger moving bodies of water. Yeah, don't that's go okay. swimming in a bog in right. the middle of the woods. That that's part of their problem there. Yeah. Uh, what about but you, I, Ryan? I've seen this oh. movie a number of times, and in fact, I didn't want to watch it this time because I just watched it like two or three months ago. So it was kind of fresh in my head. But even though I wasn't in the mood to watch it, as soon as I started up, you get totally sucked in. You know, it just, it's got an appeal. So okay. I guess the main reason why I chose this one and what's reason why this show, the coming of age came to be was basically because it's me wanting to rewatch this movie. Uh, and it's be mostly because when the movie theaters started opening back up here locally, like there's only a couple of them and they're doing like $1 classic flicks. One of the movies that were being shown was stand by me. And my buddy Jesse went and took his, his 10 year old son to go see it. And he said, there's nobody in the theater, but he's, there's a movie that he loves he wanted his son to see it, so he's went and paid whatever the one dollar to go see it in a movie theater by themselves uh, to go see it. And he's like, "Yeah, it's a good time." And I was like, "You know that I really kind of want to watch that movie again." So that's when Reese and I suggested Stand by Me. Um, the first time I did see this movie was as a kid, and I don't recall ever seeing it from beginning to end. I just remember I think I woke up on a Saturday morning, like my dad rented it, and he he was watching in the middle of watching it, and I think it was either probably right before, I don't know what takes place first, the, the lard ass pie eating scene or the, um, or the leech scene. But from that point, I just remember like those two scenes stuck in my mind as a kid. And I'm like, Oh wow, this movie, and it, it, it had me hunk, you know, hook line and sinker, you know, to watch that movie. Uh, but I remember in grade school, they made us watch this and in high school, they made us watch it. Really? Um, yeah. And I want to say it was an English class and I don't know if there was maybe cause Stephen King or what, or it's just one of those things where every once in a while you get like a movie time, just to, I think probably for the teacher to grade papers or mm -hmm. whatever, keep kids quiet. Can't go outside for recess, whatever just kind of had thing. enough of them. Yeah. So, put something a movie like on, that. make them shut up. And I think that's what it was for, especially for that high school class um, that I think they're like, Oh, we're going to watch stand by me for whatever reason, but it still holds up. I enjoy it. Um, I forgot it was Will Wheaton who is Gordy, because um, I was gonna say, "Wow, I know almost everybody at the cast, but who is you know the, the main lead?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Will Wheaton." So, but no, I I, uh, I enjoy it. I am curious to how the short story, the body, is from like what do they add more to it, you know, or 
I'm on the impression I, that it's like only ten pages. I don't know. Is oh no, no, is a much longer story than that? But yeah, it's it's at least oh, I, I think two hundred pages. Okay. Um, and it's excellent. It is one of Stephen. It's in a, a collection of short stories called uh, Different Seasons. And mm-hmm. within that book, they've made three movies out of it. Uh, one of them is uh, The Body, uh, Stand by Me. The other is The Shawshank Redemption. Which mm. is another fantastic adaptation, and uh, Hearts in Atlantis, which, yeah, it, that adaptation wasn't that great, but uh, th- no, it's a fantastic read, and um, I mean the the movie does capture it well. But if you want a little more about the characters, it's it is a little bit different, and uh, the the end of the book is a real downer because uh, it's not much of a spoiler really, but like, nah, I won't tell you. Well, read the book. It, it's really good. It won't take you that long to read it. Kind of funny though that uh, uh, what's it called River Phoenix, his character dies at an early age, and he died at an early age. Yeah, yeah, it was very uh, well, not funny, but you know, no coincidence. Uh, coincidence, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got I some comments say. here. Oh, hold on, oh. let me do the comments, and then we'll get to what Richard needs to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle says that the trailer was rated Z, Z, Z. And uh, Sarka Sim says, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie in the theater and I think it was rated A. But Canada, we have different ratings. Uh, I was 12 and was able to get in with my 15-year-old sister. And she says, rated A in Canada, 14 plus. And she says, I'm pretty sure Stand By Me is in my top 20 favorites. Probably top 10. Probably. LOL. And I, I was listening. I didn't hear her laugh upstairs, so I don't think she actually LOL'd. And she says the book is 100%. Good read. So there you go. Um, yeah, she watches it every time. It's it's on, too. So. Kiefer Sutherland on his uh, classic 80s bully role, right? Yep. Yeah, Kiefer. And then uh, you got John it's, Cusack. In it seems like well. he's still playing the, the vampire from Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this, this movie came all. out before that, before Lost Boys. Yeah, right? Lost yeah. Boys, yeah. It just that's that's yeah. the image. Well, um, I, I was, I was going to say, oh, yeah. uh, even though I hate kids in movies, this is an example where it's all done well, and, and mostly because your four leads there—they're all really good actors. Like they all give a good performance uh, with their their roles. Like everybody in the movie. There's no uh, part where you think, oh, it's like this one person doesn't quite fit. Everybody holds their own in this. It, it, it's really, it's just that perfect blend. You had a really good story. You had a really good direction. You had really good actors. The the the, the locations, everything works really well. And you know, especially when you consider so much of this film is outdoors. Uh, you know, everything looks great, uh, great sound, great visuals. It really captures the, 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 the mystery, the adventure that these kids are going on. I, I will say they uh, just, you're talking about the outdoors and that they do play a little bit much with the train tracks. Like I could tell that the train tracks were laid down for this movie. They weren't actual real train tracks because they're pretty much on the ground where you would have like, you know, them up, up high with a bunch of, black rock slag along the sides and there was a lot of like cover in like the 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 woods were really covered in where to a point where a train would not be able to actually go through there so they played with that train 
there's no such it's thing. It's a little train. <laughs> there's no such thing as just a little train going on there. Mm, that See, was so the train's a lot smaller back yeah. in the day. They back were in the sixties, yeah. Back in the sixties, the trains they were, were on the smaller. tracks with the train coming up behind them. So I don't know. <laughs> were you around those, in the sixties? Those, yeah. those trees grew in real fast. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Um, but what, I mean, the, other, what I was sorry, okay. what I was going to say about the train earlier, you know, it, in the fun facts, it mentioned they had some uh, stunt people. Uh, doing for like when they're running away from the train but there is that one scene where uh teddy is doing his machine gun thing as the mm -hmm. train's coming up yeah and um river phoenix's character chris like goes to pull him off when they do that the train actually does run so i'm curious if there was some way of faking that because they are on the tracks he pulls them off and a few seconds later, the train does go by. It's green screen. Is is that true? Yeah, like, well, like, I'm, I mean, like I'm really I, curious because I, I watched it. I watched it on my on my 4K monitor, uh, mm. my 4K TV, uh, and I got the uh, 4K edition, and it looked pretty fake. It is okay because <laughs> I was looked, really curious like about it because it looks good. It, it looks like a really legitimate effect, and uh, I could tell it was like. It was green. It was superimposed that that part where they where he pulls them off the train, uh, off the tracks before the train comes. Yeah, by. I was wondering because back in the eighties, you could you could still do a little bit. You can still. Uh, I there the was no no kids. Actually, kids. actually, actually, that was in the the fun facts as well. But I didn't put it in because it wasn't really a fun fact. But this movie was under a lot of uh, uh, scrutiny, like it was being watched extra carefully because there was a tragedy that had just ha happened. Uh, the year earlier with the Twilight Zone movie, yeah, where a couple yeah. of kids were killed in a helicopter scene or something. Yeah, and when they when they heard that for this movie that they were going to have kids and a train in that, apparently, like they were watched. Like the inspectors came by a little, like a few more times than usual, and the union was like keeping a close eye on what they were doing. So, so sad uh, facts. Not that was a sad fact. So I didn't. Uh, it wasn't really fun. No, mm -hmm. so I didn't uh, put it in there. Well, there's the train and and the. They were in water. I think those are the only real dangerous scenes. Everything else is just them walking around talking. Well, and a gun. Well, yeah, gun. No, it wasn't a real. Well, that's uh, well, before Crow. So, well, <laughs> a, a funny thing about the water is that entire swamp was uh, was fake. It was man made um, because they didn't want the kids actually jumping in a real in real swampy mm -hmm. water because the leech thing could actually become. A reality right, right? Mm -hmm. so they uh so they made this thing but it took them so long to do the train sequence that by the time that they got to the the bog which they prepared like way ahead of time that uh cory feldman says that it was all nasty anyways so it was kind of kind of a moot point mm -hmm. to do it anyways um so you guys were talking about the the acting in that and i think a lot of that credit uh you know, I mean, it goes to the actors as well. They got to do the performance, but uh, Rob Reiner is known as an actor's uh, a director because he acted himself for a long time and and was fairly young when he got into the acting scene and kind of knew how to, um, you know, allow knew knew how to get performances out of the kids. Um, like he would actually, like apparently, like when they were on the train tracks and they were they were. Um, uh, running away from the train they weren't scared enough so he would actually do things to really scare the kids um and then that scene where river phoenix is is crying he actually he like would uh talk to rivers phoenix for like a long time and get 
find something about him that would would actually make him cry like something personal like when as an adult let you down kind of thing and when it came time to shoot that scene he brought it up before he shot the scene so he could use it for mm -hmm. uh, for that so he would do little tricks like that um but also like a lot of things were you know really well thought out um like for instance like uh so gordy the main character he he loses his older brother uh who dies and but it was someone that he looked up to and the last thing his brother gave him before he died was this new york yankees hat that he's wearing at the beginning uh of the film and um the uh so uh, you know Kiefer sutherland comes up who's the the bully uh, of the movie and he comes up to to the to uh gordy and he steals his hat and Kiefer sutherland's first instinct i'll steal a hat and i'll wear it and rob reiner stopped him and said i don't want you to wear that hat I want you to give it away. And the thinking behind that was, is that Kiefer Sutherland wasn't stealing the hat because I wanted the hat. He was stealing the hat to be cruel. He mm -hmm. wanted it established that this was a cruel guy. He didn't do things for, he just nasty to be nasty. Nasty to be nasty. So it's just nice little subtle touches like that. And to not show him getting the hat back later on. Gordy never gets that hat back. Spoiler alert. Um, you imagine he can get it from from Chris though eventually down the road because that's his brother who takes the hat. Well, apparently there's a lot of uh, discussion Best going life. on of yeah. what happened to the hat, and according to Stephen King, and both Stephen King and Rob Reiner, uh, they just threw the hat away, like they mm -hmm. threw it in the garbage when they were done with him. So it's gone. It's mm -hmm. gone. I think they just said that though because they're tired of talking about the hat. Sure. <laughs> People seem to be a lot more attached to the hat than any of the characters in the movie. But uh, well, in films, like you go to the "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead," it, it, traditional cheap filmmaking is you have everything connect. Everything connects. Like you have to have a happy resolution to everything. Whereas yeah. this is more just that's life. You know, yeah. there, there's yeah. a dead kid there. You know. Yeah, and and yeah, that's really the the. The heart of the movie right there is like, you know, see that body. And the, that's where they all grew up right there. That's where they came of age, where it was like they went to on this adventure to see this body because they thought it'd be a cool thing to do as a kid. And then it hit them that that's an actual person there that's no longer mm -hmm. there. And then they do the mature thing, the adult thing. But this movie does a really good job of keeping them on that verge, you know, where, where they're still kids and they have the kid adventure and they talk about goofy and mickey mouse and the, the pie eating story and all these things that car. kids do but at the same time they're they're always teetering on doing adult things but all the adult things that they do are very brash like what a kid imagines adult like they smoke cigarettes or they're talking about um uh who is the mouseketeer um the famous mouseketeer uh annette annette uh, funicello funicello yes yeah. and you know they're, they're talking about her body and you know all, all the adult things they do it's all fake you know it's all their perception like oh a, a cigarette after a meal is the, right. is the best time of day like they have no experience they have no it, it's just them mimicking what they see and then at the end when they they see the body that's like it kicks in and, you know, there's the real adulthood, not just this superficial, you know, nonsense. Well, it, it, up until that point, up until they see the body, they're kind of all coming of age at, at different pace, right? Mm -hmm. Like River Phoenix is uh, obviously ahead of them because of what's going on in his uh, uh, home. 
uh, and then you know Corey Feldman's on a different level. Gordy's a little ahead, and then you know Vern is like way far behind because he hasn't had to be forced to grow up like that. And they kind of all reach that same moment, you know, when they see the body. They're complex characters; they're all different, you know, and that's that's what good writing is, you know. Did you guys ever go on adventures with your friends like that? Not to look for a dead body, but like walking train tracks and doing stuff like that. I can speak from experience that I have. Yeah. Uh, just because that's what we <laughs> do as the kids. You know, we, we had a little area off uh, Woodland area. that was a little, they kind of made a fort kind of thing. I don't know. But basically it's our, we've, we've tried even doing the coins on the, the train tracks, but mm. that doesn't work because it would, unless you have to put something like glue or something on. The, yeah. Cause I'll ro- the fall the, off. Fall right off. Oh, I got uh, some. But like, I know I can speak from the, the scene when they're walking across the bridge um, the train tracks where it's the boards apart. I've walked across those. That's not easy to run across at all. That you really have to take your time because you, you're fucking easily slip mm-hmm. in those uh, mm-hmm. in those tracks. And um, I don't recall the one that I walked across had barriers either on the side. Where no, it wasn't a bridge like that at all. It wasn't by far that length or that long. It was probably I don't know, like a twenty foot, maybe 30, 40 foot. You know, it was basically over a car pass. Um, bridge but walking over that uh we're, that was like we we're like whoa you you almost kind of feel like um Vern and crawl on your feet across to, uh your hands to get across the bridge because like one slip and you're falling um but no like we used to always just do stuff like that to kill summertime when you weren't at school and had a uh, have fun basically there's fun one bridge <clears throat> right very close to my house and i've been tempted to do the same thing because it, it's one of those over one uh, overpass, over mm-hmm. one lane. But then I think, uh, no, I got a family, so I'm not going to do anything stupid <laughs> like that. But, you know, it. I think of uh, that movie when, when I uh, do that. But as far as when you're a kid, er- I think every kid does those things to some level of you want to you wanna step outside of your boundaries. You want to do the thing because you're not supposed to or somebody told you not to or just because it's something new. And I think that's the only time that it really feels special like that, because once you become an adult, you realize I don't have that many boundaries. You know, I can just go do whatever I want to do within, you know, legal limits or whatever. Um, So it the movie makes a really good point of that is that time of your life when you're able to have that really strong connection, those strong memories, because you are limited. You are kind of bound in. I mean, even for kids in what, what was this? The fifties, the sixties. When, yeah, when you were sixties, when you were much uh, freer back then, you could do a whole lot more than kids can now. But you still felt trapped in your own little uh, childhood world. So it, that is that magic time. Is fifty nine Castle Rock? Which, there you go. Um, I was just because all of a sudden I heard that, and I still have yet to watch Castle Rock for the show, but I know that's that um, TV series that all takes place in that in that town that all incorporates all Stephen King characters and whatnot. So, um, but no, I I want to say there's one of those movies that like as a kid watching it, the coming of age part probably doesn't really sit onto you, and then as an adult rewatching it, um, like. It, it is like preparing because you don't think as a kid, basically, like, ah, no, my friends, I'm going to be friends with these people forever, basically. And no, like, mm-hmm. probably after high school, you start to see all that the trends, basically, where like, yeah, you know, they eventually were friends. Then they became people that you occasionally say hi to in a hallway. 
and then you just don't see him anymore in your life. It just, it happens. You know, it's one of those things where as a kid or even in high school, like it probably doesn't like hit on you yet. But as an adult, you see that I'm like, oh yeah, like you're losing a friend or someone you knew died down the, you know, the road that's happened to me. You know, you know, I so said like, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very real. I wouldn't say it's very relatable, but there's definitely moments I can take from this movie and say like, I've, you know, I've experienced something to this extent and something from this little extent and something from this. I don't know. It's a good movie though. It's probably, it's, well, I'd say, it, yeah, in my opinion, it's probably the best coming of age movie that I know of that I've seen. Uh, and it feels more appropriate for it to be that younger time when it happens where most coming of age movies tend to be more like teenagers becoming traditionally adult like that that legal age kind of uh transition but it, it seems more like there's a lot of complexities that are going on in their heads that take place around that time not everybody gets to go discover a dead body when they're a kid but you probably have similar thoughts about you know, from childhood to I'm not a kid anymore and you want to be treated like an adult because all teenagers want to be treated like adults, even though they still act like stupid kids a lot of the time. But the, the transition is probably a lot earlier than most movies make it seem like. Mm. Well, for me, I, I didn't have any uh, friends when I was a kid, mm. so I can't. That's uh, sad. Yeah. Sad fact. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, let's get to the uh, comments here. <laughs> um <laughs> Sarah says, Stand By Me is far better than <clears throat> Lost Boys in, in uh, IMO. I 100% yeah. agree. Bill says, Lost Boys, yuck. Yeah, I can't stand that movie either. Doesn't age well. Uh, I cherish these moments. Well? That Bill does. That's what it says. So I agree. Bill, agree. Doesn't, Bill doesn't age well. Yes. If you don't look at the punctuation at all, I agree. Bill uh, doesn't you, age you well. You went by so fast. I that's just. Right. Okay. Uh, I cherish these moments from the movie. Laugh my ass off. And. Yeah, the movie takes place in 1959. 1959. And the only reason why it takes place in that time is because that's when Stephen King was a kid. So that's yeah. like, you know. I, I was only saying like maybe the 60s because um, the one scene where they go gather or um, Gordy gathers all their money, goes to that shop. The one guy said he like he lost a brother in the Korean War. So they started going to my head. I'm like, okay, when was the Korean War? So it was in yeah. the 50s. So MASH. You watched MASH? That, was, that took place during the Korean War. No, I um, <laughs> I it was a lot of background noise for me. For my mom loved Mash, and um, I Mash is it, great. So. Yeah, Mash <clears throat> is good times. Okay, have we said it all? Are we good? Good to move on. Mm. Richard, Richard, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm good. Gonna, okay, are you sure? I'm gonna start wrapping up, and this is when you usually. Oh, I got one more thing. I got so much to say. What? Say it. What do you got? No, I mean, just some, sometimes something else will come out. Okay, so what did we learn? We learned that uh, Richard doesn't hate all kids, just some kids, most yeah. kids. I what like my say? kids and some kids in movies. I would say uh, 90% kids you, you don't like, 10%. There's good, I, there's... I don't like bad child actors. Mm -hmm. They ruin movies. I don't think, for me... I can't point to a single bad child actress in any three of these movies. I think they, they Oh, the, the babysitter. They, they were like, they, the movie completely forgot about 
the the younger siblings for large chunks of that movie. Yeah, but they were bad necessary actors. to have that daughter. All those. Or the the youngest one is in like the Halloween movies, so she had a career. They only needed there. one other kid. They needed the the older sister to get the job, the the stoner brother to have his moment and to help out and to realize he was slacking, and then one kid to look after and to get injured and stuff. That's all they needed. No, she needed a family to look after, like a big, like a lot. No, of no, she didn't. And then they she needed didn't a, need to be. She didn't need to become a mother character. She just needed because she wasn't okay. even that bad of a teenager so, at the beginning. So let's take your interpretation of this movie uh, and say that you're right. Uh, that doesn't make that the, the mean that the kids were bad actors. No, some of them were bad actors. Okay. Coming up next month, we're going to be doing all poorly Tom directed. Hanks's. Tom you know, Hanks movies. Uh, we're going to be doing a mm. classic Hanky Panky. We're looking at Splash, Big, and the Burbs. It's the month of Christmas. Well, who cares? We're not going to do Christmas movies. We don't have to. He says uh, we humbug. have. To. I mean, I find you know, but we December did. It, we did isn't only Christmas. We did. We did. We did Die Hard already, and we did Uncle Buck. Those are the two best Christmas movies. Uncle Buck's a the, Christmas movie. It is in my heart because it's a movie with a lot of heart, and Christmas is about having heart. So it's a Christmas movie to me. I don't care. I mean, you've done like Home Alone too already. <laughs> I think Alone. we did. I think we did. We talk enough about Home Alone. That's a great movie though. Too. Home Alone's a good movie. Christmas Vacation is a great, great movie. That's fantastic we as well. That. I th we haven't. Oh well. No, maybe, but we, maybe but we mention year. it often. Yeah, I'm excited maybe. because it's almost December, and then I'm I'm free and clear to watch that movie. You can watch it anytime. I know I could have, but I try to reserve it for. Christmas time. In January, the wheels are in motion for some to be trash. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to join us on our Discord because we're going to be watching it live there. I already got a I got a foosball movie lined up. It looks incredible. That's called. I, I really I might want to be on that show again just because of that trailer. That movie looks amazing. It is something else. It is something else. I I did watch it a long time ago, and it is something else. And I or yeah. Good time. And then Richard, you said you had a movie. Or are you ready I to? I picked one uh, out. Yeah. Do you want to hold off on announcing that? Or um, I I just don't remember the name of it. Okay, fair uh, enough. But we, I can we're in no hurry. It. We got lots of time uh, before we get to that. And then the following month, there's been a lot of discussion on Discord, and I think Kyle had a really good idea for February. What Star if we were? Trek. To, he did suggest Star Trek. He suggested the Next Generation movies, and I told him it would just be us bitching about those movies and then he said oh come on first contact's the best star trek movie you know it's like no no it's not i have a copy of it i've got the special collector's edition i do as well i have it on dvd uh because there's no point in me getting rid of it as well just hold on to it it's the money you watch some of those behind the scenes things mm. you know get some it did have some nice menus. There were some nice menus on DVD. I uh, but no, I his, put it in yet. his other suggestion was to do um, Al Pacino movies. Oh, there's some good ones there. And he was thinking Scarface. I said, okay, Scarface nice. is one. Uh, another one is Dog Day Afternoon. We should Fantastic do that one. movie. Love we should that do that movie. one. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure about the third. There's, We could go... Um, that's the name of that movie. Carlito's Way? No, no. Carlito's Way is good. That's better uh, than Scarface. That movie's so overrated. What's the um, 
Curtis mentioned one when I said I hated Al Pacino. Um, early one. It, it might have been Dog Day Afternoon. There's also there's also hey. Serpico, and then there's um, seeing Deer Hunter. No, there's the one that uh, about jail. Oh jeez, can't remember it. Wow. Uh, another good well, one. I is, haven't seen any of them, so. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn gotcha. Ross. That was the other one I was thinking of, mm. but that's not really like Al Pacino's just in that movie, but he does he plays a bit of a different character for him. But that movie's really a Jack Lemmon movie. That movie's a hundred percent Jack Lemmon to me, with a little bit of Alec Baldwin just for a second. But it's it's an interesting one. Do you ever see uh, uh, De Niro and Pacino get ice cream? The Mad TV skit. Oh, I think I remember. You know, that's <laughs> pretty good. You know, all the SNL skits are finally open to us here in Canada. Like all the old ones, like they've been. You guys have been able to watch them in the states, but they've been blocked to us in Canada for the longest time on YouTube. So now every time I go to YouTube, I got like three or four uh, SNL videos I have to sit through and watch because it's like, oh yeah, I remember that one. End up watching that again, but anyways. I was just watching um, Phil Hartman, the anal retentive chef. Never, I was never cooks anything because he's. Too... <laughs> I was watching one with Phil Hartman. It was the one with Sally Field, and she's the the uh, the Christian who prays too much. Like she's like she's making a sandwich. She's like, please, baby Jesus, please make this sandwich like the best sandwich ever. And then Phil Hartman shows up as Jesus, and like you know. I'm a busy guy. I got a lot to do. <laughs> I appreciate the praying. I like it, but you know, a sandwich is going to be a sandwich at the end of the day. You know, it's really great. Such a good skit. Okay, that's it. I think we said it all. I think we can wrap it up here. What do you say? All right. The Ish. guy came in here, Balin the Hobbit. That must be Musty Hobbit's uh, cousin. Probably. Okay. Uh, said great topic, guys. Well, there you go. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for stopping by. All right. And uh, thanks for Bill, who says who are. And we had Sarka Sim, and we had Kyle for a bit, and we had Steven, who uh, likes to appear early. He likes to be here early, and then as soon as the show starts, he's gone. Yep. He Good likes the buildup. Do. He doesn't actually like the show. He just likes the buildup to the show. Well, that really is the most exciting part. I must concur. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's it. Uh, thank you, Ryan. You got anything you want to plug? Uh, Cartridge Club this month. We're playing Badger Kazooie. I'm hosting it, so tune in that episode when it's up. Uh, what's What's next month's game? Life is strange. Oh, that Life one. Is strange. Episodic, five part story game. Good times. All right. And easy, I nice easy game. I suppose we better mention the uh, Cartridge Club's extra life stream happening December, starting December fourth. Musty Hobbit's launching that off on Friday evening. And then I will be on Saturday morning playing something. I think and I'm playing. I, and I end the show again. And you wrap it up. In like the, always. In, in the pink bathroom? In 10 to 64. Well, if we, well, if we uh, come up with an incentive to go back to the pink bathroom. The pink bathroom. Yeah. Is it still pink? It's still pink. My goodness. I had a guy come give me a quote this year, but then things happen like furnace needing to replaced and whatnot. So, sorry. Pink bathroom's still in effect with the <laughs> foil wallpaper. So... Oh, man. All right. Well, tune into that on Twitch. That's the Cartridge Club's Twitch thing. It's a charity stream for charity. It's a stream for charity. For it makes money for the kids in the hospitals. It's all good. So go check that out. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.